I'm Ruth Schwenk, and I'm so thrilled you're listening in with us at Root Like Faith. It is our deepest desire to encourage and equip men and women to be rooted in God's Word, transformed by the love of Jesus, and moved by His mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more important. Well, today we continue our series called Making Art. It's a series we are, we are doing through the season of Lent. And we've been exploring the seven deadly sins and why pursuing holiness or virtue actually frees us to love God and others as we should. So we've talked about pride. We've talked about greed. Um, and this week we're talking about lust. So yes, this is a heavy topic, but I think it's really, really important. And as we have said from the beginning, Lent is a season where we are intentionally drawing closer to Jesus to be more like Jesus. And so we hope and pray that today's episode continues to help in that journey. So we are in this season of Lent, right? We're right in the middle of it, honey. We sure are, yeah. We, we just um, really kind of in the first couple of weeks of, of Lent. And like you said, this is, a, this is a heavy series. I mean, we're talking about the seven deadly sins. But as we said from the very beginning, I mean, the idea of putting on virtue, walking in holiness is to free us to right. love God and to love others as we should. It's um, in a very real sense to, to enable us to be able to give the best of who we are to other people. Mm. And so as we pursuing Jesus in a very intentional way through rent, through Lent, that the goal is to emerge at Easter, uh, looking more and more like Jesus, which of course look like loving the Father and loving others um, sacrificially and, and freely. Mm-hmm. And I think even though it's heavy, I think there is this hope in the midst of it because we're, if you've been following along, we're talking about what these vices of, like we've talked about, like I said, pride and greed and this week lust. And then on the other side of that, of each of those vices is a virtue. And I feel like that's where the hope is. Yeah. I th- you know, we haven't really talked about this, but I think um, in the past we have, and I, I think, you know, so many times when we think about just the spiritual life, like it's really easy to get discouraged. And it's really sometimes, I think we, we err in two ways, you know, either we, um, you know, we just get so consumed with our sin and we feel condemned. We forget mm. that we've been made alive by Christ. Yeah. Um, or we don't care enough about sin and it doesn't right. move us anymore. It doesn't convict us that we've become so callous. And so, um, but, but I think, yeah, it's so easy for us sometimes as we're intentionally pursuing the life of Christ to get discouraged. And so as we're talking about these seven deadly sins, it's really important to remember that that the focus isn't just on the sin, but but the newness of life that God is offering mm-hmm. us. And there's that positive side to each of these um, you know deadly sins. And so mm-hmm. as we've talked about already, as we talked about pride, you know, the positive side is humility. And so we're, we're, to, we're to kill pride in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit, but we're to clothe ourselves in humility or yeah. greed, we talked about, I think, in week two. Mm-hmm. And so we're to, to kill the sin of, of greed and to clothe ourselves in generosity. And as we do that, as we're dying to sin and coming alive to Christ uh, through his work of grace in us, again, we're becoming more and more free to love God and to love others as we should. And it's really hard to love people when you're full of pride, when you're full of yourself. Right. Uh, it's really hard to love others as we should when we're, we're stingy with our time or our treasure, mm-hmm. our talent. And as we're talking about today, um, this deadly sin of lust, I mean, what a relevant, I mean, all mm-hmm. these sins are relevant, but what a relevant deadly sin that, that literally in um, is in our culture today is destroying souls. It's destroying marriages. Mm. It's destroying families. I mean, um, it, it's again, deadly for a reason. And so right. we, we think about this idea of putting to death what's what's killing so many people in our culture mm. so that there might be this resurrection life, this new life in a marriage and a family um, in a son or a daughter. And that's what we're after. I mean, Jesus changes everything in the life of somebody. Yes. And that's what we want uh, yeah. for people. It's what we want for our own life. 
And um, so that's yeah. why we're doing this series yeah. and, and just really paying attention to these, mm-hmm. um, especially closely during the, the Lenten season. Mm-hmm. So let's jump in then to this topic of lust and just, I guess, begin by talking about simply what lust is, um, maybe a simple definition of lust. Yeah, I, you know, I think maybe one definition that has been given, that's just a really simple way of thinking about lust is this, that it's a disordered desire for sexual pleasure. Mm. Um, I love this quote, you know, um, everybody ought to read Mere Christianity if they haven't yet. It's kind of one of those books that you just ought to read every year um, <laughs> if you hope to get in heaven. Um, and so um, it's an incredible book, but I love there's this little chunk um, in Mere Christianity, where um, Lewis is talking about lust, and this is what he says. He uses this analogy. He says, now suppose you uh, came to a country where you could fill a theater by simply bringing a covered plate on the stage and then slowly lifting the cover so as to let everyone see that just before the lights went out that it contained a mutton chop or a bit of bacon. Would you not think that that country, in that country, something had gone wrong with the appetite for food? Mm. And so, of course, he's using sort of this this comical illustration of, of going into a theater um, and revealing this this food on a piece of plate. And he's making the point that that's, well, that's exactly what's happening in our culture right. as it relates to, to sex um, and to sexuality. Yeah, and um, he's saying that's why they came there. The only reason right. they came was to see this one piece of bacon on a plate. And just, again, the idea that, that <laughs> yeah. if you were to go to a country and that's what people were doing, you would say something has gone wrong. Uh, right. That there is a natural desire for food, but something is disordered. Something mm-hmm. has gotten out of whack uh, in, in that um, in mm-hmm. that country, in that place, in those um, folks' hearts. And that's mm-hmm. exactly when we think about lust. Um, it, it is a disordered desire. And, and so um, it, something has gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk just a minute how, how sex and sexuality is a good thing, that, that God mm-hmm. is the creator of sex and that he meant it for our good, for our pleasure, for procreation. Mm-hmm. And yet, like all sins, um, we, we, we take something good and we, we distort it right. um, and we use it on our own terms. And instead of bringing joy, instead of bringing intimacy, instead of bringing life, what we see um, in our culture is we see it bringing brokenness and mm-hmm. shame mm-hmm. and great destruction. Mm-hmm. And so that would be just a very, very simple definition of lust, that it's a distor- it's a distorted, disordered desire for sexual pleasure. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's interesting is this is a big deal. The Bible says a lot about sexual sin, about lust, all of that. And so I think that it would be really good to just talk about from a biblical perspective, you know, all that, obviously we can't talk about all the Bible says about, um, you know, sexual sin and all of that. But let me read a few verses um, from Mark chapter seven, verses 21 through 23. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. And I I don't know. I feel like maybe that should just be the hallmark scripture for, for this whole series because... That's the reality, right? And that's why we're talking about these vices and these virtues and how yeah. important it is to to kill those sins and clothe ourselves with the virtue that's on the other side of that vice. Yeah, I think one of the important things just to remember as we think about Mark 7, you know, Jesus is saying that, that um, for it's from within. In other words, the, the mm. problem begins in the human heart. That we, have a, we have a fallen heart. We have a sinful heart. Um, and, and our heart needs to be converted through the power of the Holy Spirit. There needs to, 
to, to be an experience of God's power um, and his presence through the Holy Spirit. We, we need to go from death to life. I mean, that's what happens mm-hmm. when we um, confess our sins, when in repentance and faith, we, we look to Jesus as our Savior. There's, there's this conversion of our heart. And yet we all know as well that, that as we're continuing to grow in righteousness and holiness, there's this battle that's, that's going on, that we're being transformed and renewed from the inside out. And there's still an awful lot inside of us within the heart that, that needs to die. There, there's still a lot of sin that needs to be purged. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Jesus is saying here that it's from within, that, that right. you know, lust has a way of, of sneaking into the human heart. And we have this dis- disordered desire um, for sexual pleasure, but it, but it comes from within. And that phrase that, that Mark uses here, sexual immorality, is really a very broad phrase. I mean, in Greek, mm-hmm. it's pornea, where we get our, our word for pornography. And it really includes everything outside of, of the marital act. And so when, mm. you, when you think of what God intended in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, that God intended um, for a man and a woman um, to experience um, marriage, to experience um, life together, um, to experience the joy of, of sex and bringing children into the world. And so what Mark is reminding us of is what God's people have known from the very, very beginning, that anything outside of that marital bond is considered pornea, sexual immorality. Mm. So there's all sorts of things that we could include within pornea or sexual immorality. But Jesus is saying that it's from within the heart um, Mm. that that lust originates, um, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, and you you read those already. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, as we said already, that sex and sexuality is good, but after the fall, desires, they they become disordered, and lust is a big one that many people struggle with, especially in our Mm -hmm. culture today. Mm -hmm. Well, let me read 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 6. It says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instruct instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. And I I just think about how I think about these verses in the Bible and think, wow, uh, during that time, this must have been a big problem, and it's no different today, obviously. Right. But there's a reason. this These words are so strong, and it's so pointed, I feel like, right. at this issue, because it's a struggle. And yeah. it's a struggle for a lot of people. It's a struggle not only back then when these words were written, but now it it, does, it hasn't gone away. No, no, no. I think sometimes we, we have this view um, of culture as if our culture is, you know, we forget that the first century um, audience that were that were receiving, you know, some of these letters, some of these words. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Greco-Roman world was was pretty perverted. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was bad news. You know, I, I think about Paul's words to the the Christians in Ephesus, where he says, "Don't even let us a, a hint of sexual immorality be among you." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ephesus was home to the Artemisian Temple and the Artemisian cult. And Ephesus was one of the most perverted cults in the ancient world. It was one of the seven wonders of the world. Mm. And so Paul is saying, listen, as a follower of Jesus, don't even let there be a hint of sexual immorality 
you know, um, darkness has no impact on darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's calling them to walk and to live in such a way. And that was one of the things that was so radical when you read church history, so radical about the early believers is they had such a very different sexual ethic than the culture around them. Mm-hmm. Now, not always, obviously at the time, at, right. at, at any time you have, um, you know, believers who, who are not walking um, faithfully or obediently. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, one of the things you notice when you read church history is their, their sexual ethic was so different than the surrounding culture. And what we've seen, even within the church, um, is that we've caved in many ways mm. um, and we've compromised. We, we've taken on the world's values and said, no, it's okay um, it, to, to live in this way. Uh, and mm-hmm. one of those, obviously, um, that we're dealing with today is just uh, homosexuality or the transgender movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and many Christians, many church leaders even, are trying to reinterpret the Bible to endorse a lifestyle that the Bible never um, mm-hmm. teaches um, that is totally foreign to church history mm-hmm. uh, over the last 2,000 years. And so, you know, I, th- I think about social media, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, just how prevalent uh, images and videos are and the mm-hmm. challenges that people face. Or you, as you think about a parent right. and trying to raise kids to, that, that will grow up and love Jesus, I mean, the unique challenges that we face as it relates to this theme, I mean, that, that it's just celebrated mm-hmm. uh, over and over again in terms of the way uh, men and women dress and mm-hmm. you, you go into certain stores and, and the kinds of you in children's clothing mm-hmm. uh, that's being sold. I mean, we just live in a very sexualized culture. Yeah. And so to walk in chastity, to walk in purity is increasingly becoming difficult, not just mm-hmm. for moms and dads or for men and women, but also for kids right. um, and for, for young adults mm-hmm. and, and for teens. And so it's so important to remember what Christ has called us to and the benefit. You know, again, going back, I mean, the life that God wants for us, he, he wants life. I mean, we were created to experience the, the, the abundant life. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked about many times, um, you know, just the one of the, the added benefits of being in ministry over the years is you get to be a part of, uh, part of lots of people's lives. And the pain of that is you get to see also the mm. way people's lives have fallen apart and marriages have fallen apart. And nobody walks into my office or nobody has over the last 20 years and, and said, boy, I, I just blew up my marriage because I was being too pure. Mm. Um, I, was, I was walking in faithfulness to Jesus and it wrecked my family. It, re- it wrecked my relationship with my son or my daughter. But as we know, um, we, could, we could share all sorts of stories over the years of you know, different ways that people have um, broken marriages, broken family life. Um, because of sexual immorality. And so God wants life for us. That's what he created. It's when we take a good desire like sex or sexuality and begin to redefine it or use it in our own terms that Mm -hmm. that it brings pain and separation, brokenness Mm -hmm. and shame. Yeah, and I think that is one of the dangers of lust, right? Is that we become enslaved. We're like slaves. We have chains around us. Yeah, the more you feed that, Mm -hmm. um, the more enslaved you become. Mm Mm-hmm. And so what what other things do you feel like are so dangerous about lust? Well, I think, you know, what you were saying, I mean, that I think one of the things that, yeah, you think about that it's so dangerous about, about lust or any other deadly sin is the more you feed that monster, the more it desires to be fed, mm, right? Yeah. And so we become more and more enslaved to that. But I think the second thing that is really, really important for us to think about is that um, it, it sees other people as objects, And as we've said before, the virtuous life, walking in holiness or righteousness, it frees us to love God and to love others as we Mm -hmm. should. And so if I'm a man or a woman that's wrestling with lust or giving into lust and choosing sexual immorality over, um, you know, purity or chastity, then I'm really using people. I'm not serving them. Mm. I'm not looking out for their well-being. I'm not living in such a way, seeing them in such a way or treating them in such a way that is for their benefit 
but I'm just gratifying my own selfish, sinful desires. Mm. And so I think one thing that's so dangerous about lust is what it does to others. Um, and so that, that would be another thing that I think mm-hmm. is so incredibly dangerous. But, you know, this really isn't just a single person's problem. Um, right. You know, right. we tend to think that, that you, you only struggle with lust mm-hmm. when you're single and when you get married, oh, we, we, you won't struggle with that anymore. Right. You know, we've had this conversation before, you know, with our kids, just kind of preparing them for um, for dating or preparing them for marriage down the road. Um, the reality is that that marriage isn't the answer Hmm. to lust. Um, Self-control is, right? The the fruit of the spirit uh, of self-control is the answer. And so lust or sexual immorality is not just a single person's challenge. Um, It it can also seep into a marriage and and really um, Mm -hmm. be a married couple's problem as well. Yeah. And I think that's a really good place to um, park for just a second, because I think that has been a lie that has been told in some church circles over the years, right. like get married, if you're, you know, if you're burning with passion, you know, lust, get married. And and people think that's going to solve the issue. And it's not about that. It's about learn growing in holiness and learning self-control, like right. you said. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, a couple of things related to that, when we just think about lust within the family, um, I mean, there are some challenges that every couple is going to face as they get married and as they they have a family. And so let's talk just a couple minutes, like, like some ways that lust impacts a married couple. Mm. Um, you, one of the things I can think of is that there's going to be different seasons when sexual intimacy is not possible. Oh, and right. I love, mm-hmm. um, you know, Edward Tree, uh, who is just a great speaker, great writer, you know, talks about the difference between expression and essence. And he says that sex is an expression of marital love, but it's not the essence of marital Mm, love. mm -hmm. And I think that's a really, really important distinction. In other words, real love is willing the good of the other. Mm. And so I think, again, as we think about lust and how that can impact um, a married couple, there's going to be difficult seasons where sexual intimacy is not possible. And Mm -hmm. so, for example, if you're a husband and your wife is going through a season... um, where she doesn't have the same sexual desires that she had maybe when you first met or when you first started, um, when you, when you first married, um, it, it takes a man of God. It takes a, a person of great virtue and holiness and self-control mm-hmm. to be humble in that, to be patient in that, to not be lustful mm. in that, but to will the good of your spouse and to be understanding mm-hmm. in that. Um, sometimes there's tragedy, there, there's illness, there's some kind of um, physical um, disability that, mm-hmm. that didn't exist years ago that, that now impacts that part. Uh, and so if if a couple's sex life is the essence of their marital life, that gets all out of balance. Well, and I even like moms, when a young mom with right. lots of kids and literally you feel like, I mean, I get it. We have four kids and, <laughs> you know, I just remember. You don't even want to get out of bed on some mornings, right? Right. Let right. Well, and when they were little and, you know, you're pregnant or you're giving birth or you're, you know, I mean, really it's just, or you're exhausted, you know, I mean, there just has to be grace there and understanding there. And it's that time when we're, again, we're, we're responsible for ourselves, for the holiness, for the self-control, for the learning. And we don't blame that on our spouse. And I think that's really, really important. Right. Or, you know, you, you don't justify, um, Right. You know, um, something that, that uh, I mean, for example, I mean, there, there are guys who will say, well, my wife doesn't want to, to have any kind of intimate relations with me right now for whatever mm-hmm. reason. She's going through a tough time. She's a new mom. 
Um, and there will be guys who will justify the use of pornography mm. uh, or they'll justify beginning to develop an emotional relationship with somebody that's mm. not their wife that will lead to mm-hmm. a physical relationship. Mm-hmm. And so that is a man that is marked by not self-control, not love, not humility, mm. not grace, uh, not the character of Christ, but lust. He's driven mm. and owned by lust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think another area that lust can can invade a married couple's life is just um, in how they interact in relationships outside of their husband-wife mm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And this is something we've talked about. I know we've written about mm-hmm. over really the important. years. And mm-hmm. so when you think about just the the idea of a husband and a wife, for example, the wife saying, I'm not going to ride in a car with, with somebody that's not my husband. Mm. Or a, um, a guy who says, I'm not going to meet alone, for example. I'm not going to have lunch with a woman that's not my wife. You know, those kinds of boundaries with members of the opposite right. sex where I'm going to give the enemy an opportunity to get a foothold or to be tempted, uh, to give in, um, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, those are ways that, that if we're not walking in purity, if we're not walking in holiness, if we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit and bearing the fruit of self-control, you know, lust can really invade mm-hmm. and take over. And so those are just a handful of ways maybe that, that mm-hmm. lust, um, again, is not just a single person's problem, but it can really um, mm-hmm. wreak havoc in, in a marriage and in a family. Yeah. And again, this is a culture wide problem and it, just like it was when these words that we keep reading from the Bible were written. I mean, it's it's just no different. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised right. at the state we find ourselves in. But I think it's interesting that you were sharing earlier what made the Christians so different during that time was that their their lives, their sexual lives looked so different. And I think, oh, wow, that's a really powerful reminder for us today. The way they lived, the ethic that they lived sexually really made a difference. It mattered. It probably spoke volumes about their faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, um, I know we only have a couple minutes left in, in today's episode. So what are some questions, maybe just some practical ways for us to overcome lust? Again, the, the flip side of lust, the positive side of lust is men and women that are, again, by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit are beginning to walk in greater purity, greater chastity, um, mm-hmm. that, that were marked by self-control um, and holiness and, and willing the good of the other person. But let's just talk about a handful, just a couple well, um, practical ways so, to overcome lust. So the vice here, because I've been mentioning this in each episode, I, I don't know, it just brings clarity. <laughs> I like to say it. So the vice is lust. And then what would the virtue is self-control? The, the virtue would be chastity. Pure, oh, chastity. Yep. Okay. So I know just because we've used self-control, purity, and chastity, We're all of those We're throwing a lot words. of words around. So I wanted to just bring clarity to that, that the vice is lust and the virtue is chastity. chastity yep. um, and obviously self-control has a huge deal to do with that. So um, so here's some questions, I think, um, in, in this area that you can ask yourself to just be real and get to the heart of the issue because, again, we're talking about these seven deadly sins so that we can be clothed in the hope, the other side of that, right? So yeah. we don't we want to be clothed in chastity, not lust. And, and it, so it starts with being honest with where we're at. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, just before we, we hit a couple of these is that in this Lenten season, what we're doing each week is we're paying special attention to each of these seven deadly sins and then the positive, you know, the, mm. the virtue. Mm-hmm. And so the vice, um, like you said, is, um, is lust, but the virtue is, is chastity or purity. And so especially this week as, as we're marching towards um, Easter is really paying close attention to this deadly sin of lust or sexual immorality, this, this disordered 
desire um, for sexual um, pleasure mm-hmm. outside of, of God's original intent and desire. Yeah. So will you read those questions, honey, as we close up? Here? Yeah. So here's the first one. Where am I most tempted in this area? So this week, again, is, is we're just preparing um, for Easter to ask ourselves that question prayerfully. Just ask the Holy Spirit to come and, and to make it obvious to us. Are there, are there particular areas where I'm most tempted? Is it somebody at work? Is it the internet? Is it in my entertainment? But where am I most tempted in this area. The second question, are there situations, hobbies, habits, or relationships I need to flee from? Mm. And so what am I engaged in right now, either relationally, again, in entertainment, um, maybe an, maybe a hobby or a situation, a circumstance that, that I just need to get out of, um, mm. that I don't need to try to fight because I don't have the power to overcome it. Um, I just need to get out of there mm. by God's grace. Um, here's a third question. How is a disordered desire my life using someone else? And so as we just think about that, that lust that resides in, in each of our hearts, um, just ask the Holy Spirit to make it really, really clear how that disordered desire is not just bringing you pleasure, and, and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a fleeting pleasure, but, but ultimately, how is that misusing somebody else, dishonoring them mm. as an image bearer of God? Uh, just ask God to make that really, really clear to mm. you this week. And then lastly, where do I need to repent of allowing disordered desires to rule me? Mm. And so again, the idea of confession during this time of Lent, just God, where, where do I need to repent? Where do I need to turn from sin and to turn to you as my savior? Um, God, I need your help. Mm. And so give me grace. I don't have my, I don't have power, um, mm-hmm. within myself. I need your power. I need your grace uh, to help me overcome this area of my life. Mm-hmm. And because again, I, I want what you want for me, God, and that's life. Uh, that's goodness. Mm. And that's things that are true and right. Uh, I want to be in, in a much better place, um, by your grace to love you, God, um, more deeply and mm-hmm. to love others more freely. I want to give the best of who I am to other people, not use them, not see them as objects for my own gratification. And so God, would you just uh, forgive me mm. in those areas? And uh, I need your grace. Mm. That's such a great place to end. And just asking the Lord to clothe us in chastity. That's so, so good. And we'll make sure that we have all of those questions that Pat just shared in the show notes so that you can go back and look at them. Also, all the scriptures that we shared as well. Well, we are so grateful that you joined us today. I hope you're already enjoying this new series, Making Art. And as we mentioned um, multiple times, we will link all of the things that we mentioned in these episodes. Make sure you go back and listen to, to the first two episodes. They were so, so good. Um, but yeah, we're so grateful you've joined us. If we haven't met yet, we want to get to know you. So be sure to follow us on Instagram at Patrick W. Schwenk and at Ruth Schwenk or on Facebook. And as I keep saying, don't forget everything we talked about will be at rootlikefaith.com forward slash podcast. All right, friend. Well, we will chat soon and we hope you have the best week.